This is the Child Deception Podcast. My name is Ross Cochran. I am so glad that you are here. Guys, we have a really fun episode today. I want you to meet my new friends, Mark and Kim. They're the kind of people that have a relationship with Jesus that is, frankly, just magnetic. You know the kind of folks where you hear their story and you are just immediately drawn in to all that God has done in their life? Mark and Kim are those kinds of people. And they would be the first to tell you that the reason they are those kinds of people is because of all that God has done and it has nothing to do with them. And I think a lot of you listening are going to resonate with their story because their story is all about all that God can do through child discipleship. We talk about a lot in this conversation. We talk particularly through all that God did in Mark's heart and in Mark's life. But what you're going to hear most through Mark and Kim is a reflection of the power of child discipleship and all that God can accomplish with those who are willing to follow him. Because child discipleship changed Mark and Kim's life, it changed their family's life, and it has impacted countless others because of what only God can do. So thank you for listening. This is a very special episode of the Child Discipleship Podcast. So um, she starts going and, and just, so, so Mark wasn't this strong Christian, but he was an amazing dad. Right. And so great husband, amazing, amazing dad. Misha starts going to Awana and well, she wants her Sunday school patch. Right. So she keeps asking, well, daddy, can we go, can I go to Sunday school? Can I go? To, he's like, yes, yes. Okay. So We'll start going to Sunday. She starts getting to go to Sunday school. And then me and Mark, we would go and get coffee and donuts while she was at Sunday school with, with our friends, right? We didn't sit her at five by herself. <laughs> you know, and so it was, it was she didn't pretty, she didn't pretty mature five-year-old. Yeah. yeah. So that happened for a while. And meanwhile, she's bringing the word of God into our house because she's like, hey, daddy, can can you listen to my verse? And he would say, Yes. And so he would sit and he would listen to God's word over and over and over again. Um, and she would say, well, can I pray for our meal? And he would say, yes, you, you could, you could pray for our meal. So it was simple, beautiful, innocent. And the word of God came into our home that way. I'm fascinated by that type of mindset. There are plenty of folks who would see their kid responding to some positively to something. And even if they themselves don't believe in it or aren't super interested in it, they're just willing to support what their sure. kid is doing. But is that what was going through your head? Or do you remember how you were processing what you were seeing happening in your daughter at that time before it became real to you? Um, I think Kim's probably right. I was, I was a good dad and I was going to do what my daughter wanted me to do and make her happy. And, and I've, I mean, even today, I, I do whatever my daughter wants me to do. She's 36 years old. <laughs> uh, but at the time, it was more more along the lines of, hey, I'll, I'll, I will accommodate my daughter and help her get her patches and stickers and everything else that she's looking to get. Um, and, it, and as time went on, as I heard more of God's word and 
we had the friends that invited us to the one and, and through them, I got to see Jesus and people. So there's, there's a whole element here that's tied into Awana, tied into our friends who invited us to Awana. Yeah, they definitely um, had something in their lives that, that we didn't. We're using your guys' story as an example, because not only is this an example that has played out countless times through not only the history of the Awana ministry, but countless ministries like ours. But this sure. is some, this is often how God works through child discipleship, where God is reaching the hearts of kids and kids are reaching into the hearts of homes. I love the way that you were describing that of God's word entering your home. Sure. So you see how God is at work in the life of your daughter. You Absolutely. see how other families who are at similar stages in your life, you just said there was something different about them. You could see Jesus in their life, right? But at the time, you wouldn't have called for it. Me, right? To me, it wasn't a knowledge of Jesus. It was something different, right? Something that was attractive to me. What would, do you remember what, I mean, this was 31 years ago, but do you remember what you would have called it at that time? I think it was probably more wanting something that they had, right? So it's, it's, it's you know, they have something that, that I see a peace, a joy that I want. Yeah. I think that's great. Right? But I love hearing how you're able to articulate that there was something that those other families had. You were beginning to see it in your daughter's life and you wanted more of it. Now, as your daughter begins to become more invested in the club, were your other kids going to club at that time or what did, what, what happened next? Our son, our younger son, uh, he was quite a bit younger. He started going to one as well. Yeah. When he was three, he started going to cabbies. Love that. So now you got yeah. a three-year-old so, Cubbies and he's, and, and he's probably churning out verses too. He is. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then our, and at that time, maybe she would have been about seven probably. So both kids in a while. So when is, when does it start becoming something where you guys are going, or I guess for you, Mark, where this becomes something where you're going, there's actually something here for me personally. Yeah. So we started attending church and Sunday school ourselves. Right. So then I was really got God's word. I got, I got to understand who God was because until that point I had no knowledge of God. I had no knowledge of Jesus. I absolutely was just you know, uneducated as far as the Bible goes, right? Just nothing. And so going to church, I started learning about God, about Jesus, what God did for us about his word. Um, and then you get to the point where you're like, you know what? I see the difference in our friends' lives. I see the difference in our children. And then you're like, I want that, right? Mm. It's time. You reach a point where you're like, I believe what they're, what they're teaching me and what I read in the Bible. I believe it's true. And I believe that there is a God. And I believe that he sent his son. And you just get to that point. It was this real gradual education and and exposure to God and to Jesus Christ that I just came to realize who he was. Very analytical. <laughs> Very analytical. <laughs> now, Kim, if I understand the story correctly, you had a relationship with Jesus. So you're watching this life change happen, not only in your kids, but also in your husband. Yeah. I would say I was a baby Christian. You know, I, I, I knew Jesus. I, you know, but I was, I the strong Christian that knew I wasn't supposed to marry a non-Christian. Nope. I did not, but I had prayed as a child that God would give me an amazing husband. Um, 
And he did. He did. And then after we're married, I was thinking, well, God, what, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? He, he won't even let me talk to him about uh, God or Jesus, nothing. And so when we met our friends and her husband had come to know the Lord as an adult. And I said, well, if it can happen for your husband, it can happen for mine. And we just started praying. A lot of people at church was, they were praying his friends from high school, praying family. A lot of prayers. God, uh, (laughs) my innocence, right. I just didn't know, but I feel like protected, protected me. No, he, he knew that Mark was going to be an amazing Christian someday. When you see this happening in your kids' lives, though, I imagine there's this level of joy of knowing that God's doing a great work in your family. And even if you don't have the words for it, you're able to see how the Holy Spirit's on the move. And I'm curious, looking back at that time, Is there any particular memory or moments or routines that you feel like were what God was instilling when you were all various (laughs) developmentally baby Christians? We're going to get lost in that metaphor on who was a toddler and who was an infant. But um, that led to the kind of family that you guys are that were that are clearly so rooted in discipleship. Um, so I, I started reading the, the Bible a lot when I, when I became saved. So, um, really, um, just like a hunger for God's word, um, which, which got me to where, you know, I wasn't the baby Christian anymore. I actually was understanding who God was in a deeper way and understanding who Jesus was and, and what God had really done for me. Um, mm. but it was when I started really digging into the Bible that I really started to learn. And we had great friends. The great friends were, were great disciples. Too. I mean, they were, they were wonderful. Um, the knowledge that they had of God and the Bible was incredible. And just poured into us. Just completely yeah, to both poured. of us. They yeah. poured into both of us. So good friends. We had still, some really good still friends. Today. Yep. Oh, that's delightful. So you are, you yourself are being discipled. Absolutely. You are spending time in God's word. So then, of course, your kids who God had positioned to, in a way, go before you are now actually picking up those spiritual practices that he is exactly. laying out in your own life. I became the spiritual leader fairly quickly of our family. Yeah, like one night, I remember I was upset about something and we're laying in bed and I was just really upset. And I'm talking to Mark and he says, well, have you prayed about it? And I was like, well, no, I haven't. Money coming from you. And, and so it was that moment for me, right? I'm like, okay, he, he is like taking charge of being the spiritual head of our household. And when I was in distress, he was like, but have you sought God? You know, hmm. that was this amazing moment for me. And, and for me, you know, you think about the spiritual markers of, of being saved, right? So being able to forgive, which is something that was foreign to me before then, right? Where I can truly forgive everything. It was, it was miraculous and supernatural. 
it was crazy. I mean, you talk about the ability to immediately be able to forgive was, was mind numbing. And then the ability to give was even kind of crazier. Do you know what I'm saying? All of a sudden it went from, I would have never given away anything to being a giver, which was just crazy for me. I mean, I, I was surprised at myself because of what God had done in my life. And that's kind of where I want to go next because you guys are, you guys are humble people and, but you guys are generous people. And I want to dig into a little bit why not because of your particular generosity, but because of the nature of the generosity itself. There, this, there was no generosity in this human being before I knew God. There was zero. I'm just so that's you. where I want to start. You just talked about how surprising the generosity was. You unpacked beautifully how God changed your heart in going from um, forgiveness and this wonderful comparison from forgiveness to giving. What yep. was your posture on your own resources, your own financial resources, viewing before. them before? Because yeah. you viewed them clearly as your own. Yeah, absolutely. I viewed them as my own. Um, and we were pretty poor. I mean, we, we were we were really poor. We were really poor. Um, and so giving was a hard thing. You know what I'm saying? You're like hard to pay the electric bill every month, hard to pay the rent every month hard to give. Um, but it was, it became easy, which was shocking, right? It struggle, 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 struggle to you know, pay bills, but I'm eagerly willing to give. Hmm. It was a change that was inexplainable. Supernatural. It was just God. And it was really cool. It was the wife, right? To watch that because it was so unlike him to give. Hmm. I mean, to anything. I mean, it was just a red cross or, you know, whatever. Had to pay the bills. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I mean, it was, but I mean, even outside of not being able to pay the bills, I still wasn't a giver. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a misconception for a lot of folks of, particularly when they start of, I'm going to give, but I'll give my time. And what you guys have figured out in the giving, generous giving your financial resources is that is a form of partnership was that yes. with what the mission was regardless of where that investment was going yep. was that something that god always made clear to you or how how was that given fruit in your life i should say so you know i've never felt called to to be in the mission field or anything like that i haven't um but I've been called to give. Yeah. And as far as a change in like to give or not to give, I think right away, Mark and myself, you just realize that it, it's not ours, you know, it, it's not ours. And so when God puts it on your heart to give, you don't have to think about it because it, none of it's ours. It, we everything is God's, and that's where you have to get to is where you know it's not yours, right? But your your wealth, your money, your your children, your grandchildren now they're not ours. I mean, we love them and they are ours, but I mean, God gave them to us. Everything that we have came from God. 
And when you come from that point, then giving is, it's like, well, it's yours anyway. So what, how, what do you want? What, do you want? what right. do you want? What I'm curious about for you guys though, is I think another hangup that people sometimes have when it comes to uh, giving there's this level of feeling disconnected from the mission. And one of the, th where it feels like a sort of a disconnected check, you write the money and then it goes away. You have yep. said it's all God's anyway. How do you stay connected to your relationship with God is what's most important. And ultimately he's the one who's investing those resources. Sure. I think when folks decide, Oh, I need to make sure this dollar goes a certain place is where they begin to build up some of the cynicism that is so common in today's culture. Yep. And so when we give, and so Kim and I, we pray a lot of when we give, there's a lot of prayer. We pray separately. We pray together. It's, it's a, it's a lot of prayer that goes into our giving. And when we give, I never have a second thought about, was that a good gift that we gave? It, because we bathed it in prayer we feel that God has, has, has given us guidance on, on what we should do and how we should give. And, and that's where, it, that's where it ends, right? God is, it's not mine. God, if you've told me to give it to this organization then they have it and there it is. Um, and, and there's never any expectation back from the ministries that we, I know that different ministries want to fly us to their headquarters and talk to us and wine and dine us and, and we just we just absolutely refuse those types of recognitions because we don't want that type of recognition. All we want to know is that we're doing what God asks us to do. Period. Mm -hmm. Happy to do something like this because if we can reach other people, that that they can they can be encouraged to give as well, or they can you know they can hear the story of how some guy who's never known God come to know God, right? Come to know Jesus because of honor. Right. I'll do this. Yes. Right. You know, like I said earlier, you, you and I, we go way back. So I recognize that. 33 and minutes. Now we go 33 back. minutes now. Okay. But what I'm curious about is y'all's perspective feels increasingly rare. And I'm wanting to under, better understand why. Because I think that folks are too often giving from places of guilt or giving from places of being too wrapped up in the particulars of it rather than giving to God like we've spoken about. Or giving and wanting it to be about them rather than... Wanting about. it to come back their way, right? So. Right. And for, we never give because we think God's going to give back to us either. We don't ever think, oh, if we give him $1, he's going to give us two. And I know that that's a misconception on, I, I on giving. Your, your heart has to be that God, you, you give it freely. You give it with no strings attached. Just because God puts it on your heart, you just, just give it. If there's any reservations about giving, then it's not coming from God. Right. You're like you're not following what God has put on your heart, you know, otherwise yet yeah, you, it, which is well, so we, we'd given some money to this one ministry and a good friend of mine had connected us with this ministry. And he called me up a few months later and he's like, look, Mark, we need to go to lunch and he talked to you. 
And he said, look, this, the guy that's running it, you know, he's, he's not committing crimes, but he's kind of shady and you, you should stop giving. He said, I'm really sorry. I got you associated or involved with this, this organization. And I'm like, I'm like, look, Dean, we, we prayed about it and we were very comfortable giving to that ministry and we're fine with it. He says, so you're not upset. I'm like, no, not at all. That's, that's not how it works. So, and I think he was shocked. He just kind of looked at me. I'm like, no, that's it, Dean. We don't, it's not going to bother us at all. We'll move on. And, and, you know, when God tells us to give again, we're going to give again. Yeah. I don't know how else to ask this question. And my job is to ask more elegant questions than this. So uh, forgive the bluntness, but why is that such a hard concept for people to grasp? Because I think what you guys are saying is just a hundred percent biblical. And yet it is so easy for that to get diluted or misconstrued or, uh, filtered to the point of being unrecognizable along the way. I think I have the answer. It's similar to forgiveness, right? It's for us. So here's where I want to kind of begin to land the plane. You guys have now seen the benefit of multi-generational child discipleship. Yeah. And we've talked at length about the unexpected origin of that. Yes. What I'm curious about is there's no way for me to sound objective when I talk about why this mission is so important, why child discipleship is so important for the future of the church, why child discipleship matters. But when you articulate this to folks, when you articulate this to your kids or grandkids, how do you articulate why child discipleship as a mission is matters in the whole suite of what you give to what you participate in as a family and as your own personal ministry. So you think, you know, you think about Awana, right? And you think about the impact it had on our lives, our families' lives, our children's lives. Um, and there's not a more important time in a child, in a person's life than when they're children, right? If you can reach them when they're a child, they're so much more accepting of, of, Jesus, right? I mean, you, you think about it, for, for me to have been saved at 27 years old, rare, right? It doesn't happen very often. Um, and so I think it's, it's paramount to reach children at a young age so that you can really teach them about Jesus and about God in a, in an environment where they haven't been told that God doesn't exist, right? Because once they start into school, they're, they're, they're convinced by teachers and everybody else that God does not exist. Right. And, and they're ostracized to believe if they believe. And so you think about how important it is to catch children early before they start school really is the best time. Um, and as I think about, you know, how Wanda reaches children around the world, millions, I remember it was, it was years ago where we were with Jeff Shocker. And, um, I think the program was to reach 5 million children and it's just, just eclipsed that. Right. So, um, to see that's amazing. And from a selfish standpoint, I can't wait to see how many children were saved through Wana when I get to heaven. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. 
Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Marlon Washington and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard All Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.